Well, hello, everybody. Uh, we're going to do a different kind of science mic thing this week. If this is your first time listening, this podcast is called Ask Science Mike, and it's a weekly podcast where I answer questions about science, faith, and life, and we generally have a theme song and a format, four questions per show, submitted by the audience via asksciencemike.com or the hashtag AskScienceMike. But this week, I thought we would just have a chat and just kind of talk about some things um, that are, in fact, based on questions, but aren't in the usual format. And here's why my travel schedule is nuts. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to take breaks from putting the show out there uh, because I enjoy our time together. I enjoy this kind of weekly ritual. Uh, but even this show is being recorded at 6 o'clock in the evening on the Monday that it usually comes out. Uh, so here's, here's what we're going to do. From now until December, we're going to change the Ask Science Mike schedule. Ask Science Mike comes out every Monday. And now Ask Science Mike is going to come out most Mondays, usually in the morning. And I think that's the only way we can do this. I just have too many stops on the book tour. Uh, and this weekend, well, last week the book launched. So we had the book launch party, which went amazing. Really good, all the people I saw there. And then we had the Liturgist Gathering in Denver, which was amazing. We completely sold out of books uh, on top of the fact that it was one of the most moving experiences I've had in my life. Uh, there's something special about this community that has kind of assembled around uh, the Liturgist podcast and Ask Science Mike. And when we all get together, it's amazing. And I'd love to tell you you could join us in Chicago for the Liturgist Gathering, but it's completely sold out. Uh, but there is a waiting list if you want to get on that in case people cancel and don't come. Uh, then you, you'll get an email saying you can buy a ticket. But uh, the Liturgist Gathering in Denver's already passed. We had great uh, great attendance. It was a full room. And the Liturgist Gathering in Chicago is completely sold out. Man, that's crazy. Uh, now, I do have a bunch of stops coming up on the book tour, including a couple of new ones. So I'm actually going to go to findinggodinthewaves.com slash tour right now so I can see them because <laughs> my memory's not that good. Um, so uh, September the 27th is a Tuesday, and I'll be in Wayne, Pennsylvania at something called Giving Doubt a Voice, the new Copernican Empowerment Dialogues, and that's going to happen in conjunction with Eastern University. Now that's open not just to students, but anyone who wants to attend. And uh, Peter Enns is going to be there. That'll be a joint appearance with me and Peter Enns. We did that once in California, and it was a really good time, so I'd love to see you there. Uh, September 30th, I'll be at Y Christian in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, that event is also sold out, but if you're already going to be in Chicago, that's great. Love to see you there. October 2nd, I'll be in New York City uh, with Trinity Grace Church uh, for Teach Us Neuroscience to Pray a talk I'm going to give with a Q&A on the science of prayer. I'll also be preaching at the Sunday morning service at Trinity Grace Tribeca. Uh, so if you've been asked about a New York stop, yeah, it's happening Sunday, October 2nd. Uh, and then October the 7th, I'll be in Nashville, Tennessee for Ask Science Mike Live. Tickets are available right now. It's selling great, so be a good crowd there. Uh, after that, October 14th, I'll do an Ask Science Mike live in Columbus, Ohio. 
Tickets are selling really well for that as well. So I'd love to see you there. Tickets still available for both of those. Um, so go ahead and grab those. I don't want them to sell out and you not be able to make it. Uh, then October 18th, I'll be in Dunwoody, Georgia, which is right by Atlanta. That's actually a free event, so that's not even ticketed. Um, so you can join us there at Dunwoody United Methodist Church on October 18th. And October 21st, like I said, is the liturgist gathering that's sold out. And then October 25th is the clergy gathering in Fruitland Park, Florida for United Methodist clergy. So if you're a United Methodist pastor uh, and want to come hang out with me and some other friends, including K-Money, the Bishop Ken Carter, and uh, <laughs> my pastor, uh, Pastor Betsy Willett Zierden, uh, we'd love to hang out with you at the clergy gathering. So those are the stops for September and October. I do want to let you know one new stop in addition to the LA stops. Uh, we will have an Orange County that's just not on the website yet. We've added on November 21st, just added today, Tacoma, Washington for you Seattle Tacoma folks. Uh, that event is on the website right now. Tickets are available. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I'll be going a lot of places. I'd love to see you. I'll actually see all of you more than I'll see my wife and children uh, for the next couple of months, which is an honor, truly. Uh, so let's talk about a couple of things. Well, the book came out last week, Finding God in the Waves, and I promise this episode is not just a commercial. We're going to get into some substantive issues here, but I really have to hit the pause button because this has been a crazy week, and um, I have to say thank you. If you listened to, I think it was last week's show or the week before, I don't remember. Um, I oh, it was the week before because of the hurricane. I just read from the book and I kind of was honest about the fear I felt leading up to the book. And um, I just worried nobody was going to buy this thing. Honestly, I know that's ridiculous. You're going, Mike, you're crazy. I am crazy when it comes to uh, things like this because it's a weird space. It's a weird space to like, try to create a work that genuinely is intended to provide comfort to people and genuinely um, specifically designed to be extremely honest and authentic and to address some type of human suffering that also gets sold on shelves. It's a space I'm learning to navigate, right? Um, and so I feel really confident when I do things like the podcast and my blog and uh, that just kind of go out there and, and are available for anyone. But there's there's sort of an economic thing involved in the book. And, well, it sold. It's did really well. It was a good week. I don't have sales numbers specifically. And when I have them, I don't know if I'm allowed to share them. But uh, the book sold really well. Uh, it was the number one best-selling book in the science and religion category on Amazon, among others. Um, it's remained you know, really well ranked on Amazon all week. And that's all you. Um, I want to thank everyone who rated that book on Amazon already, including people that read it like the night it came out. That's incredible and reviewed it the next day. Um, and obviously I've seen Twitter. I've seen Facebook. A lot of you are posting about finding God in the ways and telling your friends, uh, boy, I'm completely overwhelmed. I've literally just been crying um, multiple times per day because I feel so loved by all of you. Can you believe that? <laughs> um, and, you know, it happened at uh, 
the launch party. It happened at the liturgist gathering. People will walk up to me uh, nervous, literally shaking and nervous to meet me. And it's so funny because I am so excited to meet you because I have such an affection for all of you. You're my people. I'm not a a platform building media figure. (laughs) I am finding the people I just want to meet anyway through this work. And so don't feel nervous when you come to an event about meeting me. If you do, it's okay. I'll just, you know, we'll hug it out, whatever. But <laughs> I'm so encouraged by all of you that it makes me cry. I cried several times at uh, the book signings because uh, people would say kind things. So <laughs> I love you all. I really do. Now, one other little thing. Um, What do you do if you go to your bookstore and the book's not there? This is something I didn't expect. Some bookstores around the country, and especially in cities where Ask Science Mike or the Little Jesus podcast gets downloaded a lot, have actually sold out of books and sold out quickly. So a couple of things. One, my publisher printed tons of copies of the book, so there is no book shortage. Don't worry about that. Two, bookstores generally restock every single week. Okay, so if you go, it's not on the shelf. Uh, first, go ask. They might have it on a different shelf because it just came out. It might be in new releases. It might be in biography and memoir instead of religion and spirituality or Christian living or, or whatever section they have. Uh, and two, they may have some in the back that they haven't brought out yet. So don't leave without talking to a clerk uh, or a store associate. And finally, you can order a book in most bookstores and they'll hold it for you. So it, it could be possible if, if people keep talking about the books so kindly that, you know, bookstores sometimes only order three to five copies at a time, and those can go pretty fast. So if you want to make sure you have a copy uh, and your bookstores in your town are all sold out, no big deal. Just order it, and they'll hold one for you. So I have gotten some emails from people upset they can't get the book, and I don't want anyone to feel upset because they can't get the book. Uh Bookstores love people who buy books, and they will go out of their way to help you. But for that to happen, uh, you do have to talk to a store employee, someone that works there. But if you do that, they're going to tell you the best way to get that book in your hand as quickly as possible. So I wanted to say that. Uh, We already talked about the Liturgist Gathering. Okay, here's kind of the meat of what I'd like to talk about this week, uh, because it gets to the heart of what this work I'm doing is. Um, I had two, I I had a lot of interviews I did for the book. I want to, first of all, thank you to all the bloggers and podcasters who've already shared Finding God in the Ways with their audiences. You'll see me uh, sharing all those in the coming weeks over Facebook and Twitter. I'm trying not to do it all at the same time so I don't flood uh, my Facebook and Twitter page with interviews no one will read. If I do it all at once, nobody cares. If I space it out, uh, maybe you'll find they're interesting because there were some really skilled interviewers uh, who got to completely unique pieces of information I've never shared anywhere else uh, as part of this. But this week in particular, uh, two pieces um, fit what I'd like to talk about today. Uh, I did a piece or I did an interview with the Religious News Service, which they ended up titling something like uh, Science Mike says Christians aren't stupid and atheists aren't evil. And I really enjoyed that interview because we got into 
the nuts and bolts of what I care about, especially in the way Christians and skeptics talk to each other and understand each other. One of the main goals I had for my book was giving Christians and skeptics a better mutual understanding and better language to use when they talk with each other. And, and that piece came out today, so I haven't seen a lot of feedback, but it really went into uh, what the book is about and even further in some ways. And then the second thing, for the first time in my life on Sunday, uh, an article written by me ran in a major American newspaper, um, and that was in the Washington Post. And you can find it online. Uh, I'll have it in the link. I'll have a link to both of those articles in the show notes this week. Um, so you can go to sciencemike.com and read the actual article. But at this piece I wrote in the Washington Post uh, really blew up my email inbox, which was surprising to me because everyone says newspapers are dead. And I got like a record number of email. It was comparable to when Ask Science Mike launched and when I appeared on Pete Holmes, You Made It Weird that level of email. So I've been reading all those messages, thousands and thousands of messages, and they all came down to a few uh, different points. And I'd like to address those on the podcast because I can't reply to all of those emails, but these might be questions you have. Uh, I kind of got pushback from two directions primarily. I got pushbacks from atheists and skeptics and I got pushback from conservative Christians. Uh, those were by far the two largest groups who uh, were had pushback. Now, contrary to what I get from all of you, the regular listeners of these podcasts, this feedback wasn't all thoughtful. So the people who like sent me crazy conspiracy theories or told me only bleeping idiots can believe in God uh, or sent me 20-page conspiracy theory-filled notes. I'm just not going to even reply to those, uh, even through the podcast. What I'm talking about, I want to address is people who seem to be about as thoughtful uh, in their responses as what I'm accustomed to with all of you. And that makes me think, since they're intelligent like you, uh, you may have questions like they do, which is why I'm going to answer these. So point one, really common from atheists was saying that I was never an atheist, um, that I don't understand what an atheist is, and so I was never an atheist. I was maybe agnostic is something people said a lot. This is very common, and not the first time that's been a refrain on the internet that people would say, uh, Science White, you are never an atheist, because many atheists have a hard time believing that someone could do the processing work of dis- of truly believing there is no God and then believing in any form of God again. Uh, so I'd like to address that. I was an atheist. <laughs> That's not a marketing gimmick. That's not a misunderstanding. Uh, the accepted definition of an atheist is a person who lacks any belief in a God or God's. And when I was an atheist, I lacked any belief in a god or gods. Um, There's something called the Dawkins scale that Richard Dawkins came up with to describe atheism. Uh, And I'm actually going to, I can't remember the calibration of it, so I'm Googling it right now. 
to remember what is the maximum value towards atheism. I think it's a seven, but I want to be sure. Yeah, it was originally a seven point range. So on the Dawkins scale, you can be someone who's like, I definitely believe in God, which would be a one, or I'm absolutely convinced there is no such thing as God. I'm 100% uh, convinced that there is no God. And on that scale, I would have been a 6.9, not a 7, because I think a 7 is not a reasonable position. Um, and I think Richard Dawkins actually agrees with that. He's also, I think, a 6.9 atheist on his own scale. There's always a chance further ev evidence could appear. So when I was an atheist, I was really an atheist, which is why my faith is so different than the faith of my childhood, um, because I remain a skeptic. So I thought maybe um, that would lead me to an, another piece of feedback, uh, and I'm going to quote a sentence from the article that I wrote. And it says, but while skepticism has offered an essential critique of religion at its worst, it doesn't answer the human need for purpose and connection the way faith does. And a lot of, of uh, email came in quoting that line. And even some atheist friends of mine quoted that line back to me and said that, you know, I don't understand what's, you know, what I'm talking about because skepticism isn't a worldview. Exactly. So let's let's describe a couple of terms here that will be helpful in discussions between people of faith and skeptics. An atheist is a person who lacks belief in any god or gods. A skeptic is a person who tests ideas using evidence. Right? That's what a skeptic is. A skeptic doesn't take any claim at face value. Skeptics evaluate claims based on evidence. And a humanist is a person who believes that humans are responsible for the good of humanity and that there is no supernatural deity safeguarding the species. <coughs> okay? Atheist, skeptic, and humanist are different things. And when I wrote that piece, I intentionally used the word skepticism and not humanism and some of my friends say that's not fair but i think there are people who are skeptics but not humanists or are humanists whose primary means of relating to the world is skepticism and in that context i actually would defend my sentence <laughs> skepticism does offer an essential critique of religion at its worst but the people whose lives are solely devoted to tearing down religious belief, but not to advancing the human species through humanism, I think clinically are demonstrated to live less fulfilled lives and to have uh, less connection with other people. So I think that's reasonable. There's more nuance that could have been there, but when you only have 800 words, there's not a lot of room to kind of, kind of tease those things out. Uh, so another thing I got tons of pushback here uh, w was on this sentence. I also discovered that belief in God affects the human brain 
in profound ways. Believing in God can lower your stress levels, boost empathy and compassion, and even improve concentration. And uh, atheists say I was misleading with that sentence because studies have also shown that uh, Buddhist meditation, mindfulness meditation, and other forms of expression can have similar effects, which I totally agree with and had no intent to mis- mislead. Uh, just because I specifically called out belief in God and not every other thing um, that can affect the brain in a similar way, does. I w- there was no intent to mislead there. I've, I've never made any exclusive claim. In fact, most of the time when I have more space, including in the book, I tell people that all kinds of meditation can improve the brain. Now, there are some unique aspects to religious meditation, neurologically speaking, and especially in relation to the parietal lobe. Um, But in terms of uh, empathy, compassion, and concentration and lower stress levels, absolutely. Uh, Buddhist meditation, completely effective, uh, just as effective as Christian meditation. And the kind of atheistic meditation that Sam Harris would advocate in the book Waking Up has similar benefits. Remember, I don't make exclusive religious truth claims. That is not who I am. I'm not trying to market myself that way. But I do specifically talk about the scientific implications of Christian faith and practice because I place myself within the Christian tradition. Okay? So that's uh, the pushback from skeptics, the questions from skeptics. You were never an atheist. Uh, do you misunderstand skepticism? And do you um, are you misleading people about meditation? Pretty fair. I'm gonna. All those are really fair critiques. Um, and then here's some things Christian said. Uh, when you take such a scientific approach to faith, aren't you dismissing the importance of faith? And perhaps even, are you dismissing God? It's a totally fair critique. The reason I talk about scientific justifications for religious faith and for the Christian faith are for whom people, faith has lost any meaning. If you have looked at the world skeptically long enough, you have basically eliminated your brain's capacity to experience God. Independent of a truth claim that God exists, I know from my own experience, from sociological data, and from talking to literally thousands of people, <laughs> that, that sometimes that's a, a painful process, that some people want to believe in God, but can't. And for those people, my scientific justification of the, the practice of Christian faith can help them find comfort, find community, even find some form of faith in God again. Um, so if you're a very conservative religious person and you're troubled with my theology, I hope you would at least understand that I help many people enter into some form of fellowship of Jesus that would otherwise not be able to, because the leap to, you know, Calvinist theology is just way, way too far from the ledge of empiricism. Uh, But it's also important to understand that in my work, I don't have a place I'm taking people. You know, I was on uh, the Life After God podcast with Ryan Bell, which I highly recommend. 
Uh, but that upset a few of my Christian followers because they heard me say, I'm perfectly content if people find my work and end up as atheists. And that's true. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not an apologist. Uh, I'm not a pastor. I am a person who tries to help people make peace. And for some people, the only way they can make peace with God is to let the idea of God go completely. And I'm fine with that. I don't think that's bad or unhealthy. I think if there is like a personal, intelligent God, uh, if that would be a way that we describe God that turns out to be accurate, I don't think that God is threatened if people have trouble believing. I don't think that God would be in, that God would be insecure about that. And I also think that you can make a reasonable philosophical scientific case that there's not enough evidence to believe in a supernatural God. That's a totally reasonable thing that I accept. Uh, and I have found, frankly, that I'm more successful. And not only having conversation, but relationship. Not only having a relationship, but continued community with a diversity of people by holding that posture. I'll be honest. I love Jesus. Like, I am nuts about Jesus. And uh, I believe in a bodily resurrection of Jesus. I believe that Jesus was an incarnate uh, part of a Trinitarian God who was incarnate of the Christ who rose from the dead. But I also know that's an unscientific belief. I can't prove that. I can't prove that at all. So I don't try. I, I admit the absurdity of my position, the, the grounding and rooting it has in mysticism. And I admit that I can't say that's a better faith claim than any other faith claim. But a funny thing happens when I stop trying to make Jesus an argument I'm going to win. More people are open to the conversation. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean I'm intentionally misleading people to have a conversation with them, some kind of evangelist. What I'm saying is I want to learn as much about the world as I can from as many people as I can. And it seems like today people appreciate that kind of posture and humility And when they figure out you really want to know about them and you really want to learn from them, they repeat that posture back. You know, I think think we spent too long in American Protestantism, especially trying to sell people Jesus. And, you know, I I don't think Jesus was meant to be sold door to door. I think Jesus was meant to be followed. Now, certainly we have biblical examples of really... Uh, profound conversations between the disciples and the apostles and people in their society. Um, but And I do try to have those conversations. I Well, I, I do it every week on a podcast called Ask Science Mike. <laughs> uh, but I have a basic respect for the dignity and the humanity of everyone I talk to and the validity of their beliefs. Their beliefs are just as valid as mine. Now, that doesn't mean all ideas are equally valid, Uh, When we want to test ideas, we use an arbiter called evidence, and that's exactly my point. Evidence, you know, tends to equally disfavor all faith claims, all types of revelation. Um, So that's the heart of not only the book Finding God in the Waves, but the heart of my work entirely 
is meeting people where they are and having honest, agenda-free conversations, which is why I call my work the creation of a safe space. If you believe that there is no God, I'm not going to try to convince you that there is one. If you believe that there is a personal, spiritual, intelligent God, you're a strong theist, basically. I'm not going to try to convince you that there is not. If you're a pantheist, if you're a spiritualist, wherever you are, I want to know you, I want to talk to you, and I want to learn from you. And I respect you. It's interesting to me. Uh, conservative Christians and atheists make up about the same percentage of my audience. And um, I think sometimes I can't tell which group uh, gets their gears ground more <laughs> by what I say. Uh, but you have my commitment. I'm always going to, one, offer the best science I can. Two, be open to critique and correction. And three, host a conversation that is as safe as it can be for as many people as possible. Hopefully we'll have a normal show again next week. Thanks for listening to, I guess, 30 minutes of uh, just a conversation about the book launch and some of the feedback. And I can't wait to talk to you all next week.